Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed Welcome back to Forum. I'm Katie Orr in for Mina Kim. We're going to switch gears a bit here now and talk about how to support babies and toddlers who are entering or re-entering the social world post-pandemic. Joining me now to do that is Dr. Moira Salaji. She's a professor of pediatrics at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Dr. Salaji, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, first of all, what effect are you seeing the pandemic have on on babies or, you know, younger kids, toddlers? Any any effect at all? Um, it has been highly variable, I think. Um, for the most part, I think babies and younger toddlers are doing very well. And I think the major reason for that is that younger infants, you know, and, and toddlers, their world is largely mediated for them by their parents and their immediate caregivers. And um, as long as the caregivers are managing or doing well and um, children do well because they take their cues from their parents. And I want to invite our listeners uh, to let us know, do you have a baby or toddler whose social interactions have been limited due to COVID? What questions do you have about helping them reenter the social world? You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Uh, well, Dr. Salaji, I have to be upfront with you. My my intentions for doing this this segment were a little bit selfish because I have an 18-month-old who was, you know, six months when the pandemic started. So she hadn't been out and about because she was so little. And now we have the pandemic. And she is now uh, experiencing, I would call, extreme stranger danger, screaming for hours. Uh, you know, pedi- you know, health-wise, she seems to be fine. But it seems to me that it's because she hasn't been out and about. And everyone she's dealing with has masks on. I mean, do you think that that is a a common experience for a lot of babies? Well, I think it is an experience. Um, You know, as we're re-entering the world after children have been home with a very small number of adults in their uh, sphere of influence for just over a year now, as as the world does open up, it, it is a new transition and any transition is challenging. I think any of us who have ever transitioned children into childcare or preschool or school um, know that part of that depends on the child's basic temperament and personality, but um, also part of it is their prior experience. And, And so we are expecting, I think, as pediatricians to see more separation anxiety 
uh, especially for those children who have really been home with one or two parents and limited other contact with um, other individuals in the past year. Um, I do think that there are some ways that we can, you know, whenever our routines get disrupted, last year we all learned uh, very suddenly um, how much we depend on our routines as part of our predictable day to manage our own stress and, and help our children um, manage their stress and get through life. And, you know, on March, whatever it was in your community, um, when life completely changed and suddenly we were all, all of our old routines went out the window. I think um, it took most of us a couple of weeks or even for some people a bit longer than that to establish kind of new routines and reorder our lives. And now that we're opening up, we're kind of going to go through the reverse of that process um, of adjusting to a new, new set of routines and rituals and um, helping children through that. I, I think there are some tricks of the trade that, that we can use um, even the during times of COVID. Um, as well, I said, I want to get to, yes. Mm -hmm. I, no, I just ahead. wanted to get into a caller, uh, a caller, Dan, right now, who has a two-year-old. Dan, go ahead. Oh, hi, actually, uh, Damon. And uh, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I have a two-year-old daughter. It's okay. A two-year-old daughter. Um, my wife and I have been very strict over the last year. And, but, you know, she hasn't come across any other colds. And so, you know, there's some thought that having your child exposed to, uh, you know, basic common colds can actually be good in terms of developing their immune system. And so I've just been thinking, well, um, you know, eventually she's going to <laughs> need to get a little sick, I suppose, not from COVID, right. but any, any thoughts on sort of the uh, delay in developing a, a child's immune system? All right. That's a good point because I, my older daughter was in daycare at four months and got every cold known to man, <laughs> uh, which was both good and bad. But my younger daughter has not had any uh, real sicknesses yet. So, uh, Dr. Salaji, you know, what should we expect from these babies who've been, for you know, lack of a better term, maybe been living in a, a bit of a bubble? Uh, yes, they have been living in a bit of a <laughs> bubble. And as children uh, re-enter childcare and preschool and school, they are going to be exposed to other viruses. Because indeed, what happened was um, the number of viruses circulating in the environment really appeared to diminish, including flu. And um, we were all masking and distancing. And so even when we were out, we were less exposed. Um, there will still be some, of course, pandemic requirements in those group settings. Um, for children over two, at least in terms of wearing masks and having a little bit more distance um, than perhaps in the past. So that may be somewhat protective. But as your caller suggested, um, the way the immune system is built is through exposure and building immunity. And so, yes, as you return um, and things open up, we are going to see children having more of those um, common colds and viruses um, that largely we have not seen for the past 14 or 15 months. And I think it's, um, you know, again, judicious hand washing and the masking will probably help that not to happen quite so quickly um, as, as it might happen uh, prior to the pan have happened prior to the pandemic. Um, but we are going to see it. 
Are there, you've talked a lot about how, you know, babies this young tend to just be around their families and close, you know, friends anyway. But are there behaviors that parents should watch for or be concerned about that might indicate there is something different going on in terms of the baby's socialization perhaps being a little bit behind? Yeah, I, I would preface that by saying I think, you know, some children may need um, a little warm-up period, and, and that may, you know, for one kid, it might be an hour, but for other kids, it might be, I need a few weeks to adjust to this new schedule that you have me on and these new people in my life. Um, but there are certainly things, um, b- behaviors in particular, that um, perhaps it would be time to have a conversation with your pediatrician. And I think if a child, after a week or two of, you know, going to a childcare setting, for example, is still really struggling with significant separation anxiety. If there are sleep problems, sleep is often, sleep disruption is often the first sign of stress, um, especially in very young children. Um, and, and just more moodiness, you know, the behaviors being perhaps more dysregulated um, than usual. But um, we're going to, I think we all have to expect that a little of that might happen. Um, But again, I think if parents have routines, they prepare the child, they maintain a calm tone of voice and affect, Uh, we can offer some simple choices. If there's the option as you're returning to daycare to go and meet the daycare provider, perhaps spend a little time with the parent present, we all used to do this prior to the pandemic, or many of us did. Um, and it's, it's harder now because it's more of a drop-off situation um, because uh, most group care facilities don't want anybody extra hanging around. But um, some facilities might be able to provide that little warm-up period and that transition period, you know, using a reassuring tone of voice. And even if your child's too young to understand what you're saying, such as, mommy, I'll be back right after reading time. It's still important to say things like that because kids do pick up on your tone of voice and your affect, and that's reassuring um, to them. And then I think when you get home, having a little reentry period, I'm a huge fan of reading books about things that are coming up in children's lives. Um, And so reading books that are focused on transition and, uh, you know, about going to childcare or mommy having to go away and then come back. Um, reading books is first of all, calming. Um, you can talk about how the child might be feeling. Um, and oh, look, mommy always comes back or daddy always comes back. And, um, those types of things are great at building relationship and reassuring children. I wonder what you think about bribery, (laughs) because (laughs) I have been, you know, suggested to me that uh, my my baby has a hard time around, you know, people she hasn't seen in a long time. They said I was told, uh, you know, perhaps if that if that grandparent or whoever gives her a nice treat, you know, when they see her, nothing excessive, but just, you know, to let her know that they're friendly and that they can provide nice things for her. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I believe every parent has resorted to bribery at some point, <laughs> so, including myself. Um, I, uh, you know, I think done with um, some understanding that this is not going to happen every time the grandparent sees the child. Right. But, uh, you know, some things that really help are getting down to the child's eye level, 
um, letting them approach you, having something fun to do with them. So maybe it's not so much a bribe as a toy that they might have some interest in. Um, if the parent gets down on that level too and is kind of mediating, um, that kind of, you know, that reassures the child this person's okay, even though I may not have seen her for the last 14 months. Um, so I, I think there are, you know, little ways to let children transition into that, um, those new relationships or rebuilding those old relationships, because for the grandparent, they're an old relationship, right? They're just trying to um, navigate the new um, ways about it. So yeah, I think there are ways to reassure um, that, that maybe are less bribery and, and, and more about inviting and welcoming the child into the relationship. <laughs> We're talking about how to support babies and toddlers entering or re-entering the social world with Dr. Moira Salaji, a professor of pediatrics at the David Geffen School of Medicine. Give us a call if you have questions about how your baby is doing, getting or comments, getting back into the world. 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can reach out on Twitter or Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. This is a fundraising period for many public radio stations. I'm Katie Orr. Uh, let's uh, get to a comment, comment here. A listener writes, as a mother of two, I've always heard it was so important for babies to see faces, to make connections and contact with the world around them. Is the fact that babies are seeing so many people in masks a problem? That is, a, that is actually a very great question. So yes, babies um, right from the newborn period um, their favorite thing to observe in the world is the human face. And that is um, actually the beginning of the first conversation between parent and child, that back and forth, I look at you, you look at me, I coo at you, eventually you'll coo at me. And, and so those facial expressions um, and, and, and being able to see the mouth and the eyes, especially of one's parents, is really important. I think... It is, you know, we, we can't read babies' minds, unfortunately. Um, but I think as we re-enter the world and they see people in mass, again, I think they're going to be looking to the adults in their lives as, is this person with a mask okay? And so once again, they're going to be taking their cues from their parents. And if the parents are treating it like it's just kind of a normal, expectable thing, kids will adjust. Um, would it be better if we could all be unmasked again? And um, so our affect was very obvious to the people that we're encountering every day. It obviously would. Um, and and that, that time will come. Uh, you know, children are very adaptable um, and, and they kind of go with the flow as long as their parents and, and their caregivers are, are doing that. Um, and so, yes, I, it's going to be a little bit of a put off, but um, it has been amazing, actually, for me to watch probably the preschool age group and some young children in childcare re return. So in childcare, under two, the kids will not be masked because that is not recommended for children in that age group. But two and up, the kids who've been masked and, and returning to these group care settings have actually been managing very, very well. And once again, it's because they're taking their cues from the adults around them.
Yeah, I can just my I have an almost four year old who wears a mask at daycare, you know, three times a week when she goes and is it's no big deal to her. <laughs> she just, no you know, oh, mommy, here's my mask. You know, let's put on my mask. And I was honestly worried about how she was going to handle it. But it's just what they do. Um, I have yeah. another comment. Uh, a listener writes, now that I'm vaccinated, I'm planning to take my toddler on a plane to visit grandparents. I'm terrified. Any advice on how to make this trip go smoothly and how to deal with all the protocols of safe travel? I think this sort of gets at the fact that, you know, of course, children are not vaccinated right now. Um, is there a risk to them? And also, you know, as someone who might take their kids on a trip, I'm worried if they'll freak out on a plane. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think we always worry about will children freak out on a plane <laughs> even before right. COVID um, because some of them do. Um, yeah, so I, I think we would probably most obviously recommend against um, travel without you know, for a young child with, who can't be masked if they're under two um, at, at this point, uh, because there is a small but real risk that they might um, pick up COVID along the way. Um, but if everybody is masking and distancing um, and, and the trip is needed, you know, many people have to fly cross country to take care of family members or um, take care of other stuff. And so many people just simply do not have a choice about having to take these trips. And then I think it is traveling on an airline that you know is really following safety precautions, probably sitting the child toward the inside of the seating with yourself toward the aisle. Um, if they're old enough to wear a mask, having them wear a mask, um, bringing sufficient entertainment with you for the child, um, you know, to keep them occupied uh, throughout the flight. Um, which hopefully won't be that long, but could be. Um, so I, I think it's using some of the tricks that we all used to use before and um, just layering on the safety things as much as you can. Uh, there was a time period where some of the airlines were not completely filling their cabins to capacity. And so there was the opportunity to seat yourself far enough away from other people um, and, and the filter system on the airlines, I think we have all learned, is uh, far superior to what we might have all believed it was. So um, I, it's probably okay to do that if, if it's a necessary trip and um, just to bring a lot of entertainment with you. <laughs> I wonder just in the few seconds we have left, um, can you reassure parents of, of like older children, are they going to remember this? And if they do, you know, we're not scarring our children for life, are we? <laughs> well, I, of course they'll remember it. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, it's likely that children as young as three or four will remember this um, experience in their lives. And and for some children, I think it has been um, a real growth experience. Um for some children, I think the slowing down of life that occurred during COVID has actually been beneficial. Um, and Thank you so I, much, uh, Dr. Salaji. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there. <laughs> we've been talking about how to support babies and toddlers re-entering the world post-pandemic. We've been talking with Dr. Moira Salaji, Professor of Pediatrics, Section Chief for Developmental Behavior Pediatrics, and Interim Division Chief at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. I'm Katie Yor, and for Mina Kim... Have a great day. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.